We'd like to begin this show on a somber note to mourn the loss of fellow metalhead and friend Nitin Rajan, who passed away on 17th November 2020. Vocalist, festival promoter, digital head, Nitin played many roles in the Indian music scene. A metal lifer, Nitin started the earliest known death metal band in Bombay at least, Morticide, and then later was one of the founders of Domination the Death Fest. I still remember as a young metalhead reading about a metal festival in the metal India zine and being amazed that there was an extreme metal festival being held in India. But on a personal front, I still remember meeting Nitin a decade ago uh, at the first edition of the Rolling Stone Metal Awards. Uh, He was a judge and I think we just casually introduced ourselves and became friends from there. And I still remember how excited he was in 2013 when he was bringing back Domination, the Death Fest. I prefer performing live. Nitin used to tell me whenever we would meet. And I'm sure anyone who has watched him at a gig where either Primitive or Calibrium performed in recent years would agree that he was a powerhouse on stage. And he really had the command of the entire audience. Everyone who met Nitin, even if it was just once, I'm sure has a great story to tell about him. Thank you for the music and also your friendship. Bombay Death Metal Legion forever. Now on Haunts Up Today, we are talking to a band that's coming back with fresh music after more than five long years. It's Canadian and in their own words, bastardized grindcore and mulletcore. Yes, it's Fuck the Facts. The new album, Plain Noir is as brutal and ethereal as you'd expect and quite a boatload of fun as well. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I was really, really kicked that they were releasing new music uh, after five years uh, after all. And uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the album. Uh, can't wait to see what they're going to be up to in the next few months or so. Mm, yeah, we've had quite a lengthy chat with drummer Matthew, whose uh, surname I won't even attempt to butcher because my French is limited to omelette du fromage. So <laughs> like thousands of others, we'll call him Will. Here we fucking go. We're joined by Will from Fuck the Facts. Uh, hi, Will. How are you doing today? Good, good. I'm doing good. So, I mean, how, how have you been holding up uh, these past few months? I mean, there's been so much going on uh, across the world, not just Canada alone, right? Yeah, well, it's obviously it hasn't been uh, ideal, but we're dealing with it as good as we can. And, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough everyone's healthy and uh yeah, it's it sucks, but hey, there's not much we can do. Everyone's in the same boat, pretty much. So, you know, just hanging out, listening to music, drinking some wine, having a good time as much as possible, and yeah. Yep, it is what it is. Yeah. 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 So, so, so for me, uh, I've been spending just, uh, like you, a lot of time listening to music, and uh, considering that we're spending so much time indoors, and... Uh, I hadn't heard from Fuck the Facts in like five years, and it's been a while, uh, especially since your last album, Desire Will Rot. So what has the band been up to in the past five years? Uh, we took a long break uh, after Desire Will Rot. We did a few tours in uh, Canada, the United States, and then we went to Europe. And then we pretty much just, uh, you know, went home and kind of said, all right, see you guys, you know, next time. And like a year later you know a year goes by and then we're like okay maybe we should start playing again and just jam a few times and see how it feels and you know i think we we needed kind of a break after all the touring and you know we're getting we're getting older and we have jobs so i think we wanted a bit more time uh with ourselves and and our families and then, yeah, we just started uh, playing again and then started writing and kind of everything came together naturally. So we were like, OK, well, we got an album now, so I guess we we kind of have to record it. And uh, we did that. We started the process like two and a half years ago 
Uh, so like I did the drums in January, 2018 and then Whoa, we did the guitars. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. Like, uh, you know, we're not as like active as before. Right. Uh, not cool. only show wise, but I think we're just, we're making sure that we're enjoying ourselves while doing all this stuff. So we, we took our time and, you know, we, we all, we have families and jobs and all that normal stuff, right? It, it, it takes up more and more of your time as you grow older and, uh, you know, more responsibilities and all that stuff. So yeah, we took our time and, uh, did the guitars, the drums, and then everything's kind of in-house. So that also explains why it takes, you know, a lot of time compared to just like going into the studio, recording everything, then mix master and like, it's out like three months after like that's just usually not how it goes for us right so we did everything and then you know a few months ago everything was done and we we were ready to uh to release so we're just happy to to finally you know be done and to release it and you know we'll go from there and see what happens okay so that explains what the band's been up to over the last five years yeah what about you personally how have things changed for you over the last five years? Uh, yeah, actually, that's a good question because, you know, I, I I joined the band. I was 19 years old, um, so I wasn't really old. And uh, we, we kind of started touring right when I joined. I mean, the band already toured, but I kind of uh, started my touring life a few a few months after joining the band. And it kind of didn't really stop for like a decade. So that was kind of my life, right? I would go on tour, go back home, work so that I could, you know, afford a drum kit and cymbals and all that stuff. And, and you know, obviously like a, I had to pay rent and all these, these, you know, normal life. The necessities of human life. Yeah. Yeah. The boring stuff, but you know, <laughs> it's still a necessity. The facts. Yeah. The facts <laughs> of human life. So that they could like, be I, fucked later. Yeah. I, I, I was going to say taxes, but then, okay, go ahead. <laughs> also, yeah. But, uh, so yeah, like it was, it was kind of a, a, a pattern that I was used to and comfortable with for, for a lot of years. Uh, and I, <clears throat> I really enjoyed touring. It's just, it's, it's something really fun and it's a, a peculiar way of, you know, living your life, <laughs> going on tour like every year. Uh, and I, I, I work in bars and restaurants and I've been working in, in that industry for, you know, as long as I've been in, in fuck the facts. So, uh, it was a perfect job for, for, for someone like me. So when, when we stopped, uh, kind of abruptly in a way, uh, at least my life kind of changed abruptly. So I, I went into what I knew, you know, the most or what I was the most comfortable with. And it's that working at a bar. So I, I, uh, me and, uh, two friends, we, uh, owned and operated a bar and I was there for a full year. And then uh, it was kind of like overwhelming. Cause, uh, I went from touring and like this kind of crazy life and then it stopped and it was like, here's my time to like slow down and, you know, just enjoy normal life. And I was like, no, I'm going to try and own a bar, which is kind of way worse than touring. <laughs> but, but it was fun and I, I absolutely don't regret any of it. Um, but I did that for a year and then I was like, I'm, I'm tired. I'm, I'm done. I have to just step back. And, uh, I stopped and then I found work in, in other places and it was kind of, much better for me that way and then we started playing again so that was kind of a good thing so like the year we didn't see each other I was constantly working so you know I stopped that and then went back to a more normal schedule and things are a bit better like like that for me now okay I have to ask the time that you were in the bar how many people came up to you and said oh my god are you the drummer from fuck the facts it doesn't happen often I can tell you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is it because you're the drummer <laughs> at the back? Probably, yeah, probably. Or they remember me from like 10 years ago and I don't have like facial hair or not a lot. <laughs> you know, I'm 35 now, so it's a, it's a long journey. 
And a lot, I think, especially locally, because, like, people knew the band a lot. Or, I should say, people that knew the band, like, 15-plus years ago. They really knew the band. Yeah, yeah, or they don't follow the band anymore. So, they're, they're not, you know, they're not... They don't know who's in the band anymore, and we've had like a decent amount of decent amount of uh, lineup changes over the years. So, but you know, at the end of the day, too, like we're not a, a, a big band, right? Like it's not like, hey, look, it's the guy from Fuck the Facts. Like it, these things happen, but like, it's it's trivial, right? It happens here and there. You know, it's yeah. it's funny when it does happen, <laughs> and you hope that they remember you for the like good reason for, for something positive <laughs> so yeah. nobody's gone like hey you remember that one show you played you didn't actually play the uh double beat pattern that you played on the album there <laughs> uh well if someone i'm just pulling a leg oh it's it's yeah i wouldn't be surprised like i'm sure i think i'm thinking of i'm sure things like that happen and it's like yeah you're, you're right but you know i it's hard to play, man. Like it's, I have to save my energy at some point in the show. Yeah, yeah. We but get yeah, if that. someone tells me that, they're probably right. Actually, I'm sure they know more <laughs> the drum parts than than I do. Okay, cool. Right. So you know, you touched upon this uh, in the previous response where you talked about the lineup, right? I mean, uh, one of the big changes, at least with Fuck the Facts, uh, now is that you're down to a three piece. So, yeah. of course, you talked about, you know, it being two and a half years uh, that you all spent, uh, you know, recording, writing and recording the album. But do you feel that, you know, being a three piece made it a little more efficient in that way? Uh, I think for certain things, it helps. Obviously, if you're in the studio and there's two of you versus five, you know, like there's going to be much less debate about sometimes like futile things uh so in that regard i think it it can help sometimes to to be like just two or three uh but for a lot of other things it it's harder like playing shows we have to find people that are are willing to to play with us um but yeah, for recording and writing, I think it is probably easier like that, especially because me and Topan, we've been playing together for like 15 years. And it's one of those, I, I told him this summer, I saw him a few times and I told him like, I think that that kind of, of uh, how should I say, like, I don't want to say energy, but just that that link that we have, that relationship that we have musically um it's like i know now because i'm old enough and i've been playing long enough that i'm i'm most likely not gonna get that you know ever again with with someone else like it's it's kind of a one-shot deal you know and 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 it works well so it's i think yeah if it's just me because even when we had like mark and johnny these guys live like six hours from where we live so they had to drive a lot and they weren't there unless we had like something going on. Right. So it was, it was of still course, usually, yeah. but well, most of the time me and Topan practicing. So it, it, in that regard, it didn't change the dynamic too, too much, but uh, globally now, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit easier for us just cause it's, it's smoother, you, you know, like it sucks to say, but you're dealing with less people so like many other things it's just easier it's easier for uh just getting a schedule you know it's it's yeah just i think logically it's going to be a bit easier for us to beat three but not if we go on tour yeah actually that was one of the things that i always thought about with the sound that you all have and uh, you know you could be you could be like i'm I'm sure now like uh, if you're touring as a three piece it would mean that you will have to be doing a lot more right maybe triggering the samples here and there etc etc too i don't don't think we would tour as a three-piece like we we already play with uh uh two other musicians or friends of ours Uh, we did one show with them which is the only show we played since in the last five years i think or yeah i think so 
and uh, or four years, something like that. But <clears throat> we we do have uh, musicians we play with. I don't think we would want to, you know, try it as a three piece. I don't think it would work that much. I think we we've tried some stuff like that in the past, and we're like, yeah, no, we're even as a four piece, we were like, this is not working for for what we want to do at least. So yeah, if we if we have to go like not have, I mean, if we if we get to go on tour. Um, it, it most definitely will be as uh, as a five piece. All right. Now you know the band is kind of known for its experimental sound, and you know you talked about you and Topon uh, writing uh, together. Uh, during that process, do you all have any kind of guidelines or boundaries as such while working, you know, on a track or an album, or is it um, anything goes? It's it's usually anything goes. Like it's the the way we usually work is we're gonna use uh, songs that we've had uh, like demos or, or recordings of like pra- band practice that we put like in a you know on a drive you know a Google Drive or something like that and we just kind of add to that over the years um, and then we pick and choose from these things and we bring back uh, parts of songs or complete songs that we wrote like years ago on on uh, plein noirceur there's there's songs that you know were written like well over 10 years ago and that we just had lying around because yeah we 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 never really used them so we take some of that we take some bits and pieces of band practice and then i like to write uh, f- like kind of usually full songs that I bring to Topon and he had he adds his stuff and you know kind of to complete the song and 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 make it really an FDF song you know I think it really forms up when everyone has an input and and then we we write at every band practice at least we try to sometimes it's you know absolutely horrible but we still usually try to record it and work from that. Uh, and yeah, that, that usually brings like the best results I find is when me and Topon are just kicking it and trying stuff like the good old fashioned way, just jamming. I respect that. I respect that. That's, that's, that's the way most of, I mean, especially when you have a creative partnership, I think that's the best way to actually end up creating magic because you never know yeah. what's going to like, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it's a weird dynamic. Thing. Yeah. Cause sometimes we, I think we consciously, consciously, like at one point Topon was like, I think we need to talk. Like we would show up to jam, would go in the car and be like, Hey, Hey, how are you doing? Uh, doing all right. I would talk about work a bit and then we go in the jam room, jam and barely say a word. And it was like, all right, and now we can move to like, all right, let's write. We've done all the practice stuff and then we would just go record. And that's, you know, at some point you do that so many times you're bound to have like at least one riff that's not absolutely horrible. (laughs) Right. So one of the things, uh, you know, I found found interesting from your last album, uh, Desire Will Rot, was that it was nominated for the Juno Award for, you know, in the heavy metal album of the year category. What was your reaction to that initial reaction, at least? It was uh, it was actually the second time that okay. we were nominated for a Juno. So, it, um, I mean, you're you're happy. It's it's kind of a weird thing, really, because, you know. Justin Bieber gets nominated for Junos. Drake, <laughs> no, Drake gets nominated for Junos. You know, it's like the Canadian Grammys. Yeah, yeah I understand So pretty much, but, no but one gives a damn. But no, but I, 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 I'm sorry, but I disagree on that because the the Junos, unlike the Grammys, when they say heavy metal, they actually they actually yeah. heavy metal. Oh yeah, for that yeah. I mean, you guys were because they. You guys yeah, were ahead, nominated sorry. alongside Cataclysm, who won the award that year, but also yeah. bands like Ken Mode and all of them. Exactly. So, yeah. Like legit. <laughs> They're legit. Oh, yeah. 
But they, they brought it back. It's because for the longest time, they had nothing. I think they had something in the 90s. Uh, and then in 2012, the Junos brought back uh, the category, uh, which is best metal album. Or they, they've already changed it a bit since, but essentially best metal artist or best metal album. And they brought it back in 2012. And we got nominated for that year alongside Ken Mode, who actually won that year. Um, and these guys are good friends of ours. We we, we toured with them. What's been up with Ken Mode on a completely like different? I, like I know. I, I knew you're gonna yeah. ask about this. Because they've, <laughs> like, What's up with them? Their, yeah, they've deleted their social media profiles and stuff, right? I think the they're still year. doing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, yeah. Well, I I have. Uh, jesse on on facebook and it, they're they're working on stuff like they you can see they're working on music i don't okay. know what exactly but they they are working on music for sure okay oh, yeah yeah that's why i don't know because i'm not on facebook <laughs> <laughs> but yeah they're they're i think i don't know how like how active they are but they are all right that's for sure yeah. we should Thanks get some that. work in mode hopefully yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah as I, as I was saying um for the junos like in 2012 I think I remember Topon telling us like, all right, like we, we have, because the way they do it, they don't tell you you're nominated. The way that it worked is that they tell you, you should really go to Toronto at that date in that building. And yeah, just go there. You, you know, you want to be there. It's like, okay, you know what it means, obviously, right? Like, and, and we went and we were so brutally out of place because it's just like, it's it's not something we're used to. Um, <clears throat> and then yeah, we that was really surprising for us. And I would say the the reaction was surprising as well. Or yeah, because we're not we're not a band that people are gonna you know traditional media is gonna talk about very often, right? They only they're only gonna talk about us if they have to. And I guess the Junos is is one of those reasons. So in 2012, we actually, you know, got a decent amount of like, like big media, if you will, uh, coverage. Was which was kind of cool. And you know, but I, in the end, of, at the end of the day, it kind of feels more like trivial. It's like I can say I was nominated for a Juno. I don't know how much it actually impacts whatever it is we do. Uh, it's it's a neat thing. It's kind of a yeah, like your uncle and your aunt are like proud of you, but and your friends that don't really know what what it is that you do are like they know what a Juno is, they know nothing about what you do, but they're they're proud, you know, they're happy for you, so that's that's really good. And I can't complain. And we got nominated again in in 2016, and I don't know it's just, it's a neat thing. We never got to go to the actual ceremonies though. That's 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 the only thing that bums me out. Like. I think they don't been call the too. they only call the the winners. It, I, I think it's like so the Grammy, no. right? It, it's announced separately. <laughs> Is that kind of thing? Well, it's definitely announced separately. Yeah, don't worry. Metal <laughs> metal doesn't make it to to the TV. But um, yeah, they usually have a ceremony the day before, like the big show. But it it was just out of uh, coincidence. Like both times we were we were on tour in Europe, we just couldn't go. We were invited, but we couldn't go. So. I kind of just want to be nominated again so I can go, but there's a pandemic now, so I guess it wouldn't it wouldn't really matter. So, so, so do you have like a suit ready just for that? Because like, hey, mom, no, I'm going no. to the Junos. <laughs> Actually, I'll say a really I, cheesy thing. I, I, I have a suit that I. Why did I make that suit? You know, it's some cheap company that make like, uh, like tailored suits, and I was I was at that. I think for a wedding of some sort. I can't remember. But uh, they were like, you can you can put like some writing in, in your pocket. What do you want to put? I was like, oh, I was like, oh just put fuck the facts. So I, I got one <laughs> suit and it's and it's written fuck the facts inside. That's but awesome. I never wear it. <laughs> personally, personally, I would love it if you guys ever won a Juno properly. Only because and, and for it to be like on TV, uh, only because I want to see the crowd going or at least the media companies trying to go apeshit when they realize that the word fuck is on air and they can't do anything about it. 
I, I actually I remember in 2012 when we went to Toronto for the announcements, like whoever the guy was reading the nominees for for our category, kind of he stopped and he kind of did a double take and he laughed <laughs> like, and it's like, dude, it's just it's just the word fuck. Like, I mean, it's not like you just discovered the word like just <laughs> say fuck the facts and no there's no like no one's filming it's just like a private event like who cares but i guess it doesn't take much to, <laughs> to rally up the yeah yeah, yeah. But, oh well oh well we'll talk a lot more about that word much later in this interview anyways <laughs> sure. uh coming uh, uh coming back uh to talking about the latest album and as someone who really doesn't understand French, even though he tried for a year uh, to study it, um, what's Plain Nosso? I don't even know Plain if I'm Nosso. pronouncing that yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah? Not that not bad. Okay. No. It's, uh, uh, the literal translation would be uh, full, full darkness. darkness. Yeah, full darkness, full darkness. Yeah. Yeah, we got that. I mean, we here in India, we do have access to Google Translate as well. <laughs> <laughs> But, I'm sure you do. <laughs> Is there a larger story behind choosing those words, though, to be your album title? I mean, is it like a statement about the bleak times we live in? Uh, most of that's well, yeah. Most of that stuff is is really like Mel. Mel writes the lyrics, and I think she's. We know when you were asking if we had like boundaries when we were writing music and all that stuff. We don't really have boundaries or like a main theme whereas mel usually does have something that's pretty clear in her head uh, which i guess makes sense because lyrics are you know completely other the thing than than writing music um but yeah i think and and the themes that mel um works on are, are usually like darkness like depression um you know it's it's kind of a bleak thing but Yeah, I, I I wouldn't want to talk for her, uh, you know, about the the meaning of of it all, but it it, it surely has you know a link to the global state of things, and also like I think on a, on on a personal um, experience of of daily life. Yeah, you know, one thing I'm glad is that when we got like a promo copy for the album, it came with the lyrics. And uh, that's one thing I really miss out in the digital age is where, you know, you get, especially for like a grindcore or death metal band, right? I mean, yeah. uh, unless you can kind of decipher what they're saying. So yeah, reading through those lyrics, I, I completely get where you're coming from at least or what you're talking about. Now, you know, along with the along with the lyrics, the promo copy obviously had the album artwork as well. And interestingly, while staring at it for a really long time, I noticed that I couldn't really find the uh, album title on the album cover, apart from it being listed as one of the songs. You guys have done this earlier as well. Any particular reason for that? Uh, I, 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 that's a good question. I'm not even sure. I would have to look at the, <laughs> at the cover. Yeah, no, I don't know. I think it's... I think a lot of what we do is on the simple side and I'm not saying that in a, any kind of negative way whatsoever. I think there's a, there's, there's a simplicity to what we do and it, it works well for us. Um, and I think that for the visual as well, whether it's a shirt design or, or, or an album cover and Mel is also, uh, you know, the one making all the artwork, um, for, uh, for this album as she did in the past for, for most, uh, for most of her releases. Um, I, I think it's most likely an aesthetic decision. Um, also, I mean, you don't really need to put the title on the album. I, I, I would say that visually you can identify this album like you won't be lost Easily. With, Easily. within her albums yeah, yeah and it's got to be written somewhere um but yeah and, and it's also just less you know of a typical approach and i think it personally i think it looks better like that and it gives it gives more space to the actual art cool all right now here's a question that only you from the band will be able to answer 
which is what's a drum technique on this album that only a skilled or experienced drummer or drummers will notice <laughs> me fucking up <laughs> <laughs> so they so, will notice that <laughs> that it's not always perfectly played that's for sure <laughs> so you guys do leave the mistakes in and all there's no like cleaning up or there's, you guys end there's up quantizing you tell me you take a lesson and tell me if the, if this thing is quantized oh nope uh it's it's actually at, at one point i think we were doing a lot more like nitpicking and like making sure everything was like absolutely perfect but uh i think nowadays with computers and all that we have you know to make our albums better in metal we have a bit of a tendency of you know killing the dynamics and and like yeah making it sound it's, too mechanical yeah and i mean and the paradox is that the the like especially for drums because it's probably one of the you know the heaviest it's the heaviest part of the album usually i think um and it's it's what's the most edited as well i would think but we've never had like so many amazing drummers that can literally play what a drum machine plays and yet they're like sound replaced to oblivion i it's i guess it's mostly a i think it's a question uh yeah it's a question of 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 vision and how you see a band sounding because there's a lot of people hear what we do and they're like this sounds like shit and if you listen to what you know most bands are, are putting out we're we're far away from that kind of production and i'm not saying one's better than the other i'm saying i like one more than the other um because i listen to you know a bunch of like super produced bands and i love it like there's it's also how it works like it's an industry there's there's a certain sound for certain styles and some people want to stick with it and some people don't and you know coming from a kind of a grindcore background it's for for what we're supposed to sound like this sounds pretty polished you know it's, <laughs> it, it could sound like a like a fucking lawnmower but it, it sounds it sounds fine to me like it but yeah like i don't know it's I'm I don't I don't do any special technique, you know. I'm I'm a pretty basic ass drummer and uh yeah, you know, it's probably playing guitar better on the album than drums, so Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um all right. Um having said that then, how do you keep, you know, challenging yourself or making things uh keep in uh making like i don't know keeping yourself interested for as a drummer for fuck the facts i think that like the first thing uh, for anything implying the band is like if if we have fun if we're enjoying ourselves i think that's going to translate to other people enjoying what we do it's pretty i think basic stuff you know whether it's a live show or or an album um we're always trying to do something a bit different. Like I'm not, we're not, we're definitely not reinventing the wheel every time we do an album or an EP, but I think that we try different things enough for us to keep being interested. And, uh, that, that's what makes it fun for us, whether, whether it's the production or just the structures of the album or a song or new instruments we might want to try or, you know, adding like i don't know like an electronic backbeat stuff like that like why not like there's there's no real limit to to what we can do like the, what's the worst that can happen someone's not gonna like it you know so uh, yeah there's there's so many other bands exactly it doesn't matter as long as we're happy with it the rest kind of just it's out of our hands right so yeah we just do what we want to do and it, as long as we're happy then we have a band that's a good attitude to have. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm not going to try and attempt speaking in French. So we'd like to play a track from the album. Uh, which one should we play and why? Uh, pr probably Plein Noirceur is a good choice. 
just because it's the title track of the album. It's the first single. I think it's it gives a really good idea of, of where we're going with this album in general. And it's not a 38-second song. Yeah, and it also kicks ass. <laughs> <laughs>
So when you all released uh, this title track uh, as a single, uh, the band put out a statement, uh, and I quote, this album also could have been easily three EPs. You really have to listen to the whole thing to fully enjoy it. It opens the doors for what is next. So here's my question. What is next for Fuck the Facts? That is a great question. <laughs> um, obviously, uh, with all that's happening uh, with the pandemic, it's it's hard to really know what's uh, coming up next, at least regarding shows and tours uh, around the, the new album. Um, we haven't played, like I haven't jammed with Topon since March, maybe February. So it's been a while. It means I haven't played drums since then. <laughs> it means I'm <laughs> probably rusty. Uh, we wanted to do some some videos, some photo shoots. Uh, I'd like to do a, a drum playthrough just to you know push a bit um, the promotion behind the album uh, on the short term. Um, and then you know it's honestly we haven't really talked about it too much because. What can we really do at this point? Uh, we'd like to do a few things around the um, the release date of the album, uh, toying with some few ideas. Hopefully, you know something's gonna materialize, and we get to do a, a little something. You know, not not a live show, but you know, some interactive thing with whoever would like to participate. So, could be a bit fun. And, uh, you know, long term, I, I think hopefully we'll get to play shows in 2021. We were supposed to play Maryland Death Fest uh, this last May and a few shows around it in the, in the U.S. Uh, so hopefully we get to go to the U.S. in May 2021. Uh, we still don't know if that's going to be a possibility. Um, so we're hoping for that. We're hoping some for some shows in, in Canada as well. Uh, and then I guess we'll take it from there. Uh, I, I started writing a bit for something. I don't know, you know, just writing. So we, we have something to start working on once we start jamming again. And I'm sure Topon's doing the same thing on, on his side. And uh, that's pretty much it. Like, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to play next year and we'll take it from there. Okay, cool, cool. Um... Alrighty, so you know one of the one of the interesting things, or yeah, one of the things that really caught my eye while you know visiting all your websites, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, was that you guys describe your music with two amazing genre titles, and that's what I want to talk about. What the fuck is bastardized grindcore and mulletcore? <laughs> What's the story oh. behind these two descriptors? <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh... I'm sure I can talk more about bastardized grindcore than mulletcore, but um, uh, bastardized grindcore, you know, I, I guess it it comes back to the name of the band as well. You know, the kind of this license to do whatever it is we want within, you know, that kind of grindcore ethos. Like it's it's kind of a frame of mind uh, more than a you know a style of music for us. Um, cause obviously if you listen to the album, it's not like straight up grindcore, right? Like it's, it's just not what it is. Like if you, if you, if your favorite band is, is Rotten Sound, you're probably going to be disappointed with our album. Um, <laughs> you know, we've come, we've came a long way since, yeah, Mullet Fever, which is obviously way more of a grindcore album. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, uh you know, a clever way of, uh, you know, of explaining what it is we're trying to do and kind of setting somewhat of a border. Because yeah. you got to, you know, you got to give people something like he, just saying metal is is usually enough, I'll say. But yeah, it's also a nice way to... sounds so much better. Exactly. It's also great for <laughs> SEO. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And Molecore, I know. You know, I I think at some point there were so many like sub, like every band had his sub genre, especially in grind. Like so many like 
different types of grind with yeah, yeah. all the fucking same. But it, it was I, maybe it's part of like the the aesthetics of grindcore. Like it's like Lengchi had right razor grind, razor grind. That's it. Yeah, shredcore. <laughs> you know, it's like what the fuck is this? But it's just you know, it's it's another way of of you know making yourself unique. It's it, it might seem kind of you know futile, but it's just it's just a little something. Like, yep. and it's kind of it's kind of neat you know of course it is of course it is okay um you remember at the at, around the beginning of the interview we, we spoke about the word fuck right yes and uh, i said we'll come back to it later so yes. here's that part because the next set of questions <laughs> are essentially all just attempts at really bad jokes to try and you know just shoot the shit with Perfect. you as such so please uh, continue to humor us, I guess. <laughs> Will I mean, do. Yeah, the word fuck, it said, can be used to describe or emote almost any emotion or thing, right? It's a noun, it's an adverb, it's an adjective, it's a verb. Um, what's been the wittiest or funniest use of the word fuck that you've ever en- encountered? Ugh. Fuck. I wish I knew yeah. the answer to that. That's yeah. actually, yeah, that's going to be Fuck. I don't know. That's a okay. Okay, cool. Think uh, about it. I'm, I'm trying to it. think. It's just hard because it's it's uttered so often, and here in where I live, it's kind of a. It's always at the end of a sentence. It's like yeah, I don't know why. It's like a period. It's like just <laughs> and okay. or a sentence with fuck. It's weird. I don't know okay. why. Cool, but it's All not right. funny. It's just it's just how we talk. But yeah, yeah, I, I I'm not sure. I'll try to think about it. But yeah, think about it. No problem. I'll, I'll move on to the next question. As I said, this was a series of questions. Um, how often does the band use "fuck the facts" as a response or a dialogue? Like you know, like if it was the name of the movie, uh, you'd probably have it. You know, as a reaction from the protagonist when presented with you know a series of documents or like a docket of legal papers and you can visualize yeah, yeah, like the protagonist you, going like fuck the facts you turn to, towards the camera and you're like fuck the facts exactly yeah, so, yeah so <laughs> how often does the band use <laughs> use the term like that uh admittedly as little as possible <laughs> just because it's it's so cheesy and it's so you know People tell tell me that stuff like way more often. Like, fuck the facts, right? And you're like, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> so we try to not use it unless it's like we're trying to do a bad joke or something like that. Just annoy each other. Yeah. But yeah, no, like we don't. Us. We don't have a tendency to to put it everywhere. <laughs> All right. So th- this is us continuing with our humor and it's only two more questions don't worry <laughs> oh i'm not it's all good so here's well at least let's start off with you so what is a fact about yourself that you'd like to fuck <laughs> huh <laughs> wow so many ways of responding to that question. Exactly. Uh, uh, <laughs> Let, let's wow. go for the most humorous one, at least. <laughs> You're just adding pressure to this. Uh, <laughs> no, man, think of it as, okay, what's something about you that, you know, is not really true or something that you, yeah, that you wish was not known by people in the in the world <laughs> so you could be fucking in that way like no man that's you have to fuck the fact there <laughs> i don't know there's got to be a tons tons of thing because you know can't be that nice of a person so it's got to be a lot of things i don't like i think my girlfriend would say my beard <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I know people can't see me but and... bears barely see my mouth it's a very, uh, to use a wrestling reference, it's a very Mick Foley-esque appearance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel dumb, but I don't know what to say. 
What okay, uh, Peter, but, but why don't you make it easier? Okay, so <laughs> what's a fact about the band that you'd like to fuck? I think that might be slightly easier for you. That we chose that fucking name. No, no. We got to live with it, right? Like, this is what happens when you have a name like Fuck the Facts. Uh, what fact about Fuck the Facts would I fuck? That's a mouthful. Um, that we're not be that we're not able to play shows. I think that would be the main fact right now, and I'm sure it's a fact that a lot of bands and a lot of music lovers uh, would like to fuck as well. Very well said. Yeah, Very well yeah. said. Okay, so on that note, will I think we'll put you out of your misery and <laughs> collective groaning about <laughs> this weird ass interview or no, podcast this is that great. you're doing. <laughs> I, I I didn't I I did like fifty percent of the fuck questions. It's not it's not no good. man. But thank you so much. You've been an awesome sport. Yeah. Thanks to you guys, really. Thanks a lot. Sorry once again for the litany of bad jokes in that conversation. But on a positive note, I guess this becomes the episode with the most amount of fucks given. It's either that or the KMF episodes, right? True, true. Completely agree. Which one is it actually? Why don't you listen, do the math and tell us. We are all ears at hauntsuppod.com. You can also catch us on Twitter at hauntsuppod. As always, I'm Arasmoani. And I'm at Trend Crusher. And this is Horns Up. Horns Up, guys. <laughs>